Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, April 15th. In today's news on tax day, the Mueller report is coming any day now. The White House says President Trump is still seriously considering sending undocumented immigrants to sanctuary cities. And the administration's Middle East peace plan will likely not call for a two-state solution. But first, the big idea. Bernie Sanders is alone among the Democratic presidential candidates for his attempts to reach out very explicitly to voters who backed Donald Trump in 2016. It's a sharp contrast with his rivals, who are focused on mobilizing Trump opponents to win the nomination. Not incidentally, it is intended as a way to signal to Democrats that Bernie is their best bet for knocking off Trump at a time when many fear he's the opposite. Sanders argues that he can reclaim these Trump voters by convincing them that he will deliver the economic relief they were seeking all along, that the reason they voted for Trump was because they wanted what Bernie's offering. But many Democrats across the country remain unconvinced, to put it mildly, even while they increasingly fear that Sanders has a real shot at winning the nomination, given his solid base of support and the deeply fractured Democratic field, which, no joke, is about to reach 20 declared candidates. In the red state of Indiana on Sunday, Pete Buttigieg officially launched his presidential bid by also making the case that he can appeal to Rust Belt voters who feel left behind, even ones who didn't necessarily vote for Trump. The scene for his kickoff rally in South Bend was a former Studebaker assembly plant whose closure decades ago rocked the region's economy. The site has since become a data and education hub that's been pushed by Mayor Pete. This is central to his technocratic, hopeful pitch that he's ready to help communities still struggling with the effects of globalization. Some attendees drove from around the country after being inspired by his message and the historic nature of his campaign as an openly gay presidential candidate. Buddha Judge's challenge in the coming months is translating this meteoric momentum and goodwill among Democrats who are eager to cheer a confident, youthful voice from the Midwest into a sustained national campaign that can outpace candidates whose careers have made them popular nationally with activists and donors. For now, Mayor Pete continues to enjoy the Gazi media spotlight, including a positive new cover story in New York Magazine this week. Bernie, meanwhile, finds himself feuding with the Center for American Progress, an influential liberal think tank that's aligned with the Hillary Clinton wing of the Democratic Party. Sanders said Cap is using its resources to smear him He's angry about negative stories that were published on a website called Think Progress, which is part of CAP. They've suggested that his attacks on income inequality are hypocritical in light of his growing personal wealth. Bernie is expected to release his tax returns later today. Speaking of tax returns, Kamala Harris, the Democrat from California, released 15 years of returns on Sunday. They show that she and her husband, Doug Emhoff, a hotshot lawyer, pulled in about $2 million last year. Most of the adjusted gross income came from his firm. Harris reported 157k in Senate salary and 320k in profit from the memoir she released just before announcing her campaign. Today, April 15th, is the final day for presidential campaigns to tell the Federal Election Commission how much money they raised during the first fundraising quarter, which wrapped up on March 30th. Trump's re-election campaign announced last night that it raised 30 million dollars, which is way more than all the Democrats but less than Barack Obama in 2011 or George W. Bush in 2003. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, the Democrat from New York, meanwhile, 
announced that she raised a paltry $3 million during Q1. That's an especially low figure for someone who represents the mega-rich state of New York. Her campaign chalks it up to her early condemnation of Al Franken, who she pushed to resign. This soured many of the party's biggest donors on her. They liked the Minnesota senator. But Gillibrand has been unable to excite small dollars, or frankly, progressives, generally. Still, Gillibrand can stay in the race for a while and hope to catch a break, maybe in one of the debates. She has more than $10 million cash on hand because she transferred $9.6 million from her Senate campaign account. She was reelected to a full six-year term last November. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this Monday. Number one, with the redacted version of special counsel Bob Mueller's report expected in the coming days, Democrats and Republicans are preparing their responses. The city is on edge. Both houses of Congress are on recess, so staffers have struggled with whether to cancel travel plans. It's spring break for public schools in D.C. and several of the districts in the Virginia and Maryland suburbs, so key people are supposed to be on vacation with their kids. The problem is we don't know exactly what day the report will come. Attorney General Bill Barr said last Wednesday that it would come within a week, so that could be today or tomorrow or Wednesday. Lawyers for Trump have prepared a counter-report. Rudy Giuliani told the Wall Street Journal yesterday that it's 140 pages long in draft form right now, but that the lawyers for the president plan to whittle it down to about 50 pages once they see the Mueller report in full. They claim they still haven't seen it. The New York Times reports that Trump is eager to distract from the Mueller report. People close to the president told the paper that he has revived an idea that his administration had earlier rejected, that idea of sending immigrant detainees to so-called sanctuary cities, in part to distract public attention away from what the Mueller report says, especially about obstruction of justice. Number two, speaking of immigration, several House Democrats called on White House policy advisor Stephen Miller to testify generally about what's going on with immigration, but also this sanctuary city idea. Miller has emerged as a key target for Democrats who see him as an influential survivor and an administration that is otherwise churned through personnel. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler, the Democrat from New York, on Sunday cited Miller's role in developing this targeted release plan and calling on him to immediately appear on the Hill. Nadler conceded Miller is likely to invoke executive privilege to avoid testimony, but he said that would be a misuse of the claim because he seems to be calling the shots more than any of the cabinet secretaries who often come and go on the Hill. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said Sunday that the plan to dump immigrants still remains on the table. The cities where they may be taken are represented by Democrats who are critical of the president, something the White House acknowledges. Sanders said that the proposal is not an ideal solution, her words, but that if Democrats refuse to make concessions to Trump on border security, the White House is prepared to, quote, put some of those people into their communities and see how they react. Sanders also claimed on Fox News Sunday that lawmakers are, quote, not smart enough to understand Trump's tax returns. In fact, 10 members of Congress are certified public accountants. Number three, the Trump administration's Israeli-Palestinian peace plan will likely stop short of endorsing a two-state solution. The White House is expected to roll out its long-anticipated package later this spring or by early summer. After more than two years of efforts by Trump advisor and son-in-law Jared Kushner to come up with something that could be workable. Officials have kept details of the plan secret, 
but comments from Kushner and other senior U.S. officials strongly suggest that the plan does away with statehood as the starting premise of peace efforts as it has been over the past two decades under Republicans and Democrats. Most analysts give Kushner little chance of success where decades of U.S.-backed efforts have failed. His prospects are worsened by the strong perception among European and many Arab leaders that Trump has shown his cards through a series of actions favorable to Israel, including essentially endorsing Bibi Netanyahu's re-election. Arab officials familiar with Kushner's sales pitch said he has offered no specifics, but suggested that the plan turns on economic opportunities for Palestinians and an enshrining of Israeli control of disputed territory. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, April 15th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.